0: Hi, guys, welcome back to the But You haven't seen my bookshelf podcast. This past Friday, I went and got a couple tattoos. I've been really obsessed with the idea of making all my new tattoos be book related. And so I got some tattoos that are Crescent City inspired. I posted them on my Instagram. If you don't follow me on there, go follow me on there and look at them. I love them and I, oh my gosh, this is going to sound horrible. I love them at first, um, but it's been four days and I know I'm gonna love them again, but they're in that stage after you get a tattoo where they're all like crusty and flaking and not really pretty on your skin at all. So I'm having a hard time not hating them. And I just just paid so much money, it's fine. I'm like staring at them and they're permanently on my body. It's no big deal and part of one is all on my hand it's fine i loved them at first and i know i will love them in like two weeks once they're done healing but they're peeling like shit, and they look bad and when you get a new tattoo if you have never gotten one they're like blacker than all your other ones since they're not settled into your skin yet so they're very just like they stand out compared to all your others and it's annoying me because they're in very in a very visible space, like I got the Star Sword because I'm a Rune Dannon girl through and through. Rune, I wouldn't say he's my favorite. Actually, that's a lie. He might be my favorite SJM character. I think he, I'm gonna have him tied with Hunt Athalar, and Crescent City is also my favorite Sarah Dumas universe. So. I don't know why. I'm just obsessed with that Zootopia fanfiction and the men that Sarah has written into it. But I got the Star Sword. It is on my forearm. It's peeling so bad. It is like crusty dusty right now, but it's fine. I got a vine wrapped around it, which I know the Star Sword probably doesn't, you know, have a vine just wrapped around it while it's hanging out. Hanging out. While it's hanging out. But I got it because it looks very bland. Um, and then I got a crescent moon and some stars on my hand, but because they have it settled into my skin and they're blacker than black, it literally just looks like a bunch of T's on my hand. I so One of my best friends told me that. She was like, when you look at your hand from far away because it's not settled in and it's like super black, it literally just looks like T's and I can't unsee it. It's fine. You know what? If it doesn't change and it doesn't go back to how it looked right when I first got it, which I know it will because it has to settle in, I will just get makeup and cover it. It looks fine. It looks great. I love the crescent moon on here. There are a lot of stars and I can't unsee the whole tea thing, but that may be just because they're crusty at the same time. So I'm just overthinking it. It's fine. I have a lot of other tattoo plans of uh, things I want to get on my body that are book related. One of them, I have a strawberry on my arm and I want to add an addition to it. And this strawberry originally was just for shits and giggles that I got it, but I want to say that this strawberry is related to Brutal Prince by Sophie Lark because I love that book. And if you haven't read it, I wouldn't say it's like necessarily dark romance, but it's like more adult romance for sure. Um, It's the book where, oh, what is the main character's name? I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Well, that's embarrassing. Anyways, she eats strawberries on her wedding day knowing her husband-to-be because marriage of convenience, Cal, is allergic to strawberries and nearly kills him. So I'm getting this strawberry that's on my forearm. Added to in remembrance of them and her poisoning her husband. <laughs> Not poisoning him, but I mean he was like deathly allergic. So shout out to the EpiPen. I also want to get like a lot of a lot, pretty much a lot of Sarah Dumas Mass phrases on me to whatever end. From now until darkness claims us, a little wyvern somewhere. I want a cat chasing a mouse on my body um, for haunting and hunting Adeline somewhere. And I will always share them on my Instagram as I get them. So today's podcast episode is books that I read in the month of February. Before we get into that, I'm gonna do my what this week. What I'm reading this week. I have 100 pages left of The Secret History. (sighs) I feel like I've been reading that book forever and that's only because it normally takes me like three days max to get through a book that is good. And I consider this book really good, but it's been taking me forever. I've been speaking about it on the past like three podcast episodes because I just, it's not that it's bad. It's a great book. In my opinion, though, it is very slow. And I had people reach out to me when I posted that I was starting this book on Instagram and they were saying it's slow at moments. So just stick with it. And there will be a little bit of ruts and a little bit of slow patches. I feel like the entire book is slow. Like it's wonderfully written and I am enjoying everything that I'm reading, but more often than not, I'm feeling and I can feel myself reading words on a page. And that doesn't make it a bad book because again, the book is great. But the whole time I'm reading, I just can feel myself reading words on paper and it makes me not even get bored. That's not the right word. I just like lose my train of thought and I end up putting the book down and pulling up something different or something that doesn't feel like I'm reading words on paper. And so I just keep taking a break from it. And that's the same thing with normal people. Normal people, I'm still reading that. I actually have 50 pages left of that book. I might bust it out tomorrow, today or tomorrow. That's the book my book club's been reading this month. But the same with that. It's a good book and I'm enjoying reading it. And it's not even necessarily slow, but while I'm reading that one, I can feel myself reading words on a page. And again, I don't get bored. I'm not getting bored with it. I just like feel the need to put it down and I get distracted, I guess. I don't know. Those are the two books that I'm reading right now. I am planning to finish them, even though I should have finished Normal People because my book club just finished it and we're about to start a new book for the month go join my book club if you haven't we are voting on a book i think we're voting for next month still and the books in question that we could be reading is i'm pulling up fable right now neon gods by katie roberts delilah green doesn't care or the cruel prince and at the moment they're all tied but we'll see which one we will read next month at the moment i'm listening to morbid morbid podcast is One of my favorites besides Zane and Heath Unfiltered, which I've talked about before. I enjoy true crime. I'm not absolutely obsessed with it. I can definitely tell it brings my energy down when I listen to it, no matter how much I think I like it. But I really love listening to the Morbid Listener Tales podcast, and I have been behind on pretty much all of their episodes. So I've just been listening to their listener tales, and some of them are really lighthearted and like involved in crime and I enjoy just like listening to the stories of fellow people who really love their podcast. I'm also still listening to A&W by Lana. I'm gonna sound like a broken record for the next month, and I'm pretty sure Lana's new album is coming out soon. That's all I listen to. There's a reason I named my, my podcast, but you haven't seen my bookshelf, because I'm Lana Del Rey obsessed, and she is my mom, and I love her. I s- started a crocheting project last week, I said I was going to do that shirt that I linked in last week's episode, but I ended up deciding to do a shrug instead. If you don't know what a shrug is, it's also called something else that I can't remember the name of. It's basically a long sleeve shirt that cuts off before your boobs. And you're like, that is so pointless. Why are you making that? Okay, I'm going to wear it over a tank top and it has a lot of holes in it. And I'm not insecure about my arms, but I this is going to sound like it's contradicting each other. I'm not insecure about my arms, but I definitely feel more comfortable and confident when my arms are covered. Like I just feel safer. I don't know how that actually makes sense. And this might just sound like I'm insecure, but I don't hate my body. Like I really have gotten to a place in life where I love my body. I love my arms. I love everything. It's whatever. But I feel like I can do more when my arms are just covered i don't know how to make sense of that but i'm making a shrug for summer because it's already super warm in texas and i'm already having to wear tank tops and i just want to feel like covered so i feel like safe i don't know how to explain it i'm so happy i got back into crocheting in the past few months because it is so fun and there's so many projects that are super easy. And a lot of really easy projects are clothes that you can wear for the summer because they're very minimal or they're simple, like the shrug. And it is just so cool to be wearing something out and about and somebody compliments you and they're like, oh my gosh, where did you get that from? That is adorable. And you're like, I actually made it. I I know. I I know. I'm literally the coolest person you've ever spoken to in your life. I made this shirt. Books that I read in the month of February. I feel like this episode might be a little bit longer, but I also might try and keep it shorter. I read 16 books this month. I feel like I don't have to explain myself anymore about how I read that much. We should all know by now that I do not have a social life. Reading is my only hobby. And I need it as an escape from reality more often than not. So I'm continually reading. I have decided with today's episode that instead of going in order of how I read them this month, I'm going to categorize them a little bit for you. So we have four categories. We have fantasy romance, rom-com, classic type fiction. There's like one classic book that I read. So I just kind of roped that into the other fiction book that I read, which is Bunny, which I feel like Bunny one of these days, which I'll discuss about that book. That book could easily be a classic, but it also easily could be a book that if you read it, you should go to a psych ward. And then I also have dark romance. So yeah, I read 16 books this month. I there wasn't too many books this month where i was like head over heels for them like i read a lot of good books and i'll share my ratings with all the ones that i read but this month there was less books where i was like oh my god like this was a crazy month all these books were so freaking fantastic don't get me wrong i read a lot of good books but it wasn't a spectacular month on the like i'm finding groundbreaking books we're gonna start with fantasy romance Because the only fantasy books that I read this, well, I guess, okay, pause. When Gracie Met the Grump, I'm going to talk about that book. But for some reason, I roped that into rom-com. That is also a fantasy book. So I'm going to bring it over to fantasy as well. But fantasy romance. I've been reading the Bonds That Tie series. Someone on Instagram recommended this series to me. I have been on the hunt for a series that isn't necessarily, like it doesn't have to live up to ACOTAR, but I want it to give me that same vibe where I want to binge it and I just easily fall in love with the characters. And it's also not necessarily YA, like it can be more adult in like the romance side of things, but just has like a simple vibe to it and a simple plot. Like I don't want anything super intricate and I don't want anything that's making my brain have to work super hard, if that makes sense. So The Bonds That Tie, someone recommended that to me. And I feel like this might turn into a trashy fantasy romance, but I'm here for it. And that's fine. I know if you like the Zodiac Academy, then you're supposed to really like the series. I didn't even like the Zodiac Academy, but that just tells me that this is going to eventually turn into a trashy romance. And that's okay for me. I am on book three at the moment. I read Broken Bonds, the first book, and I also read Savage Bonds, the second book. And they were both so freaking fun to read and the female main character is such a powerful like ollie is just so she's like a god basically and i've just enjoyed reading both of those so much and i started the third book i'm 50 percent through it probably finish it like today or tomorrow but it the series is so simple and raunchy and i'm eating it up so in the book there is the main character ollie and she has, they call them bonds, but they're kind of the same thing as mates. She has five bonds. This author was so bold, five, that's that's insane. So she has five quote unquote bonds or mates or whatever. And she ran away from them when she was young because she was trying to protect them. And she comes back because they find her and they like bring her back and they think she ran away because she was just being immature. Um, But they later find out all of her reasoning. But at the beginning, it's like super, there's a lot of tension between all of them and they all kind of hate her. But they also have this need to like love her because they're her bond. It's no fantasy masterpiece, but that's exactly what I wanted. I'm enjoying it. And to watch the progression of them having this insane tension and literally putting a chip in her back to track her and it would explode if she would run away because they thought, she was just immature to like where they are now in book three and them just like really liking her and being well everybody but Knox, but it it's just been fun and it's a really fun fantasy series. Okay. The third book that I read when Gracie met the grump, we're tying this one into fantasy and also rom-com a little bit. This one is by Mariana Zapata. I just finished this book two days ago. I originally DNF'd this book because the beginning of it is so slow. And I know people say if if the first 200 pages of it are that slow, is it even good writing? I would say yes, it is just Mariana Zapata. And all of her books are slow. And to say this one is slower than the rest of them, that's saying a lot because it is like, again, I originally DNF'd this book last year and I just decided to pick it back up because I was like, I want to read another Zapata book. I should just go ahead and finish this one. If you plan to read this book or add it to your TBR, I do not recommend reading this book if you've never read an MZ book before. This is more so a book you read if you are so obsessed with Mariana and you will basically read anything she re- she writes because it's, it's that freaking slow at the beginning, and that's just saying a lot. Once you get past the first 200 pages, though, it gets really good. And I loved it. It was her first time dabbling into fantasy. And she did a really great job with not making it like the main focus, like making it an absurd amount of like all of this like fantasy jargon. But it's still very much felt true to the way she normally writes, where it's like slow burn, the characters are friends before they even fall in love. There's this whole story, you feel connected to them. She very much stuck to the way and true to her. If you're thinking about reading this and you're having trouble getting through the first 200 pages of this book, DM me on Instagram and I'll just give you the rundown and then you can jump to like a chapter I give you and just start from there because once it got like a little further in it, you really felt like you were reading one of her books just the beginning. Oh my god, that was so freaking slow. I was dying. Now jumping full swing into the rom-coms that I read this month. I think we're on book four. The Stopover. The Stopover, I was recommended this book because it has a he's obsessed man in it. The tropes that it has are he's obsessed, boss-employee um employee relationship, and he has to grovel at the end. At first, I was really liking this book. And then it just got really repetitive and boring. So Emily and Jay, the main characters, Jay, Jim, Jameson, whatever the fuck we're gonna call him because that man has so many names throughout this book. They meet on a plane and their next flight, which they're both on the next flight, the same next flight, it gets delayed. And so they have, they get you know like a hotel room and they have a one night stand. Emily is in town for a job interview. Turns out it's for his business, which she doesn't find out until she later has the job. So when she comes back in months to almost a year later and he's her boss, she's like, what the fuck? As I would, because like this is one of her dream jobs. Like She has been working so hard and she does not want to throw it away for Jim J. Jameson, whatever the hell we're going to call him, for her boss. Like She's like, no, but he's obsessed with her. And he tries to do everything to get her to like go out with him and pay attention to her. And it's like really cute at the beginning. And then there was too much back and forth for me. I really liked a couple of, oh, yes, let's do this. And oh, no, we shouldn't do this. This is bad. But then it just, it got way too repetitive. Like I was saying where it was like, Yeah, let's do this. And Emily was in. And then it was like, no, we can't do this. Or, and then it would just switch which person was in and which was out. And then it got to the point where I'm just yelling at my book Emily, run. Emily, pack your shit. This is not your dream job anymore. Who gives a crap? Run because this man is a walking red flag. Jim, Jay, Jameson, you are a walking red flag. Would I let this man destroy me? Yes. Was I telling Emily to jump off of that roller coaster that was that 37-year-old man-child? Also, yes. Um, I rated this book three stars. It wasn't, it was a fun, you know, rom-com, but it definitely had me frustrated a little bit throughout it. They are one of the couples I added to my list to where I think they will get divorced eventually. And yes, I have an ongoing list. Maybe I'll make a podcast episode once it gets long enough. I have... A list in my notes app that is fiction couples and fake couples that I don't think are gonna make it. And then I think we'll eventually get divorced. And these, I think they will because he's a 37 year old man child. And I think he's really gonna mess it up within the first year and then it's gonna be done. Fifth book that I read this month was The Cheat Sheet. The trope in this one is best friends to lovers. This was just bad, in my opinion. This book was popular on B- Book Talk. And I don't know why it was so hyped up. These are two best friends who are both in love with each other, but they won't say anything. I understand if it's your best friend. It can be hard to want to be vulnerable because you don't want to lose your best friend. But the entirety of this book was just one big miscommunication between them. Just like a miscommunication on everything going on. And then also them miscommunicating their feelings for each other. And... I just found this book incredibly immature and cringy and I feel like if I was 16 I would have liked it but I didn't. Um, It's also Fade to Black which is fine. Again if I was really young like I think I would like this book but I just found it super immature. The guy is a football player the girl is like a dance teacher and he he's super great to her but she's very much his Girl, best friend in the beginning when she's when he's dating people. I just didn't love it. I rated this book two stars. Sarah Adams is the author, and I liked her. It happened in Nashville series better than I liked the Cheat Sheets. The sixth book that I read this month is Powerless by Elsie Silver. The trope. I'm so excited to talk about this book. The trope is best friends to lovers. This book just came out in the month of February. I loved this book so much, but I will say I liked Heartless by Elsie Silver better. There was just something about Caden Willa that just did it for me. That was the second book in this interconnected standalone series. But this one was, don't get me wrong, so good. Jasper Jarvis, I think that's his last name, is the love of my life. Let me explain. He's a hockey player, he's a man of few words, but when he speaks, it's important. I love a man who just shuts the fuck up. And he's just a quiet soul. Again, man of few words. And I love that. He's sexy as hell. And the smut scenes in this book were just chef's kiss. They were wonderful. Sloane, his childhood best friend, they met when she was like 12 and he was like 16 or something. Like there's a little bit of an age gap there. Um, Sloane... But they weren't anything. They were just only friends. Let me say that. This isn't anything weird where he like turns 18 and she's like 15 and they're like, okay. Anyways, Sloane is a runaway bride and Jasper is the one to save her and get her out of there. They end up going on a road trip together, which is really good for formulating their relationship. But let me touch a little bit more on her being a bride. So Sloane, it was kind of an arranged marriage. Her dad, she was like following what he wanted her to do. And the man she was going to marry, first off, his last name was like Woodcock or something. That is like the worst last name ever. And second, Sloane was just listening to men tell her what to do. And so she was going to get married, but she finds out he is cheating on her, like on her wedding day. And she's like, fuck this. So Jasper saves her. And they end up going on a road trip together um, to visit some other characters from Elsie silver's other books um off to the races that's the first book in the series i can't remember the series name but there were so many cameos in this book it just made my heart so happy i was dying laughing at willa in the beginning when she was making a scene so that jasper could get sloan out of the wedding and uh, this isn't even a spoiler, but I wrote it down so I can write it. I was laughing so hard at this, just knowing, like, and picturing fake Cade watching Willa do this. She was screaming, like, on the ground, like, Ah, my baby. And it says, When we peek into the hallway seconds later, all backs are turned to us. Willa is down on all floors in the foyer, grasping at her stomach dramatically, while Cade stands by, arms crossed gruffly asking if she's okay while trying not to roll his eyes. If you've read Heartless, then you know Willa and Cade's dynamic. And you know Cade would not stand by if anything was wrong with Willa. Like he would drop everything and whatever. But the fact that I can just like picture redheaded Willa just on the ground like, ah, my baby. And Cade is just like, oh my god, are you okay? Are you, are you doing okay? And he's just trying not to roll his eyes. It was It was the cameos of other characters were so funny. Elsie does a great job of having at the beginning of almost every chapter in her books, text messages between characters, which has nothing to do with the chapter, but it just makes you giggle and you get to see like, again, cameos from other characters. And this book did make me really emotional because Jasper was in like a super dark place. Certain mental health things that he was going through just made me tear up and I wanted to give him such a big hug. And he called Sloane... Her nickname that he used was Sunny because she was just like always the sunshine in his life. I wrote down some Jasper quotes to convince you to read this book because that's how much I liked it. And so let's get to it. Number one, Jasper says, raise your voice at that woman one more time and I will drop you like stone woodcock. He was speaking to her fiance and this is before like the whole wedding ended and Sloane was was arguing with her fiance and Jasper just bolts into the room and is like, raise your voice at that woman again. And I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm swooning, don't. Okay, it's fine, okay. Next Jasper quote, because she's a tether that has never let go, even when I've wanted her to. Before I joined the Eatons, I felt like no one would miss me if I were gone, but now I know that's not true. They would, Sloane would. I have tears in my eyes. Okay, moving on to the next quote. Jasper, oh my God, I literally have tears in my eyes because he was just so madly in love with Sloane and just, she was his sunshine. I'm getting emotional. Okay, the next one. You always look good to me. Concealer, no concealer, fancy dress. Harvey's sweatsuit, smooth hair. His hand waves over me with a low chuckle. Whatever this is, it doesn't matter. You're you. That's probably what you tell all the girls, Jarvis. Jasper goes, nah, Sunny, you're my only girl. And this is before they're even together. She's just like the center of his universe. And even when they were just friends, he treats her with so much respect. Hell yes. Like, I love this man. Also, the crawl scene. (laughs) And he's like, lose that fucking engagement ring and crawl Oh my God! This book was incredible. Elsie Silver, as always, is one of my favorites. Not only was it rom-commy, but again, it was super emotional. The next book that I read, I think we're on book seven, but I'm not sure, was Hands Down by Mariana Zapata. Trope, slow burn, childhood friend, sports romance. This was not my favorite Zapata book, but it was good. It was slow burn like all of her others. Zach and Bianca are childhood friends. Zach is like... So Zach was in The Wall of Winnipeg and Me and that's the biggest reason why I decided to pick this book up and start reading it was because Zach was like struggling so much in The Wall of Winnipeg and Me. Like his life was just kind of falling apart. So I wanted to get an update on him and see what he was doing. Zach and Bianca in this book, they lose touch for like 10 years and then they reconnect again. I think he's like 34 and she's like 28 and they don't understand why they lost touch for that long or whatever because Zach is her cousin's best friend. They don't understand why they lost touch. They were always like good friends and as good as friends as that age gap can have. You know, it was very much like a childhood friend and it was good and they reconnect eventually and Mariana does what she always does and she writes a beautiful story of them becoming actual friends and then falling in love. Something about this book that made me cringe and knock a full star off was because he called her kiddo. I feel like Mariana is normally really good about coming up with nicknames, but the kiddo did it in for me. It was cute at first, like when he first sees this like little girl he used to like hang out with cause it was his cousin's, or it was his best friend's cousin. When she first popped in, it would make sense for him to be like, oh my God, kiddo, like you've grown up. No, throughout the entire book, he calls her kiddo. And it was fine until the end when they're like fully in love and like together. And he's still calling her kiddo. I'm pretty sure in in the smut scene he says kid like it wasn't like their dynamic wasn't weird and immature, but he kept calling her that, and that was like his nickname for her. And I was like, okay, you're both consenting adults. She's almost thirty. You're like in your mid thirties. Stop fucking calling her kiddo. You've got to stop that. Like almost it didn't ruin the whole book for me, but I was just like, dude. Call her honey, baby, the cookie. I don't give a fuck. Just stop calling her kiddo. I rated this book 3.5 stars mostly because of that. It was good though. It was like all of Mariana's books, long and wonderfully written. You just feel like you're there with characters and you really get to watch their friendship blossom again and just watch them slowly fall in love. But then he calls her kiddo and you cringe and you're like, what the heck is going on? Okay, number eight, the eighth book that I read was In the Jam by Kate Canterbury, Trope. This book was so freaking cute. Trope is he's obsessed, friends to lovers, and fake dating. My friend Houston, who I actually went to college with, hi Houston, if you're listening to this, Houston recommended me this book because the MMC is supposedly obsessed with the FMC, and yes, yes he was. So Shay is the FMC. And on her wedding day, it gets called off by her ex and she ends up moving back to a small town she grew up in to take over some family land. When she runs into her childhood friend Noah there. So Shay can take over the land under a couple conditions. And the main one is you have to be married within the year or have like a prospect or anything. So they end up getting fake married in the future. But before we get into that, quote from the book this is from noah's point of view and it's but all she said was it's really good to see you noah and i was 16 all over again 16 and awkward as fuck and an absolute all of this girl it was nearly impossible to enforce limits when instig told me to give this woman everything in the world that she wanted like he was just so adorably obsessed with shay and they There was a little bit of forced proximity in this book too because they ended up getting fake married and then they had to end up moving in together. It's dual POV. So when it got to his point of view and it was talking about what was going on in his head as he thought of Shay, it was so cute. And I was like, I want a man to think about me that way one day. He was just so in love with her since he was a kid. And he's like, again, I was 16 all over again and in absolute fucking awe of this girl. And I was like, oh my God, And he's a farmer and a lawyer and he's hot? Okay. I also loved that this book not only had like a man that was obsessed, but it had, Shay was a size 16 woman and was very curvy and it made sure to talk about that. I feel like sometimes I read so many books where the girl character is just so small and dainty and they like sometimes make points to say that or they're like, you just know they're small by the way they're describing them. And I love that this book was body inclusive. I rated this book four stars. It was a little bit long. I felt like it dragged on a little bit in a few areas, but overall it was really adorable. Ninth book, Things We Hide From The Light by Lucy Score. This is the second book in the Knock Mount series. The first book was Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. I love that book. I gave the book five stars. This one, the tropes are... Small town romance, grump to grump a little bit. Like they're both not, they're just both in like dark kind of, not dark places. I would say Nash is definitely in a dark place. And Lena is just kind of like struggling a little bit in a few areas. Um, Close proximity. That was also a trope. I really thought I was going to like this book better than the first book in this standalone series. And this book wasn't bad by any means. It was just really freaking slow. And it felt way too similar to Things We Never Got Over, in my opinion. I feel like if I would have read this book and never read Things We Never Got Over, I probably would have rated it like four and a half, five stars. Like it would have been like so, I don't know. I would have felt the same way I did about Things We Never Got Over. But because I read that first one, this one just felt way too similar, except like a slower version. Something I did really like about this book, though, was that it had lots of talk about Nash's mental health. And it actually made me tear up a bit because of how much Nash was struggling and the dark place that he was in. If you haven't read the first book, Nash is a cop and he got shot and nearly died in the first book. And he is just in such a dark place and getting to see and read his POV and see actually where he is at, where like all of his friends and family don't know the dark place that he's actually in. And just getting to read about it, it's really, really sad. And then Lena is in town. Lena is an old friend of Knox's, of Knox, uh, which is Nash's brother. Knox was in the first book. And she moves into the apartment next to Nash. And so there's a little bit of forced proximity. She kind of becomes a light in Nash's life and nash can't understand why lena's presence is making everything better and making him happy and just making him be able to process some things he can't really understand that and also lena hates physical touch but she seems to enjoy being in nash's space and like being touched by him and they both just again this book is slow like they both can't understand why they feel drawn to each other I felt like this book could have been a hundred pages shorter. There was still the crime going on in the background. And I really like Lucy Scores books because they normally have something else going on. So it's not just them falling in love. Like there's also another plot happening. And so there's still a crime going on. They're trying to catch the bad guy who shot Nash and who was in charge of this like overview just of crime and criminal activity. And... It makes it a little bit more interesting having that going on. But again, it was just so slow and I don't know why. And the ending of this book was pretty much the same as things you never got over. And it's not that I didn't like it. It was just I felt like I was reading the first book again. I rated this book three and a half, four stars. I'm kind of conflicted and still thinking through which one I should read it. So it was good and worth the read. Also has the most adorable cover. Like the pink cover is just so gorgeous. But it just felt too similar to things we never got over, in my opinion. I do like Nash. I think, I don't know if I like him better than Knox. But I do really like Nash's character, though. Um, And getting to discuss, like, male mental health is always not not enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like, it is just, it's necessary. um, Because it is something that is so overlooked in the real world. Like, men struggling with mental health. So, it was interesting to read and I liked the book but didn't love it. Now we're getting into the dark romance category. So the first and second book is The Sinner's Saint series by Sophie Lark. It is There Are No Saints and There Is No Devil. I've talked about the series a bit. I absolutely loved the first book in this series. I rated it five stars. I don't think the second book There Is No Devil was bad by any means but I rated it three and a half stars. It was just all right. I... Felt like rent was due for Sophie Lark in the first book. Like, it it was just so good. Their artist, I love getting to see that. The man is just, like, weirdly obsessed with the FMC. And it was just dark in a lot of places and beautifully written and also, like, simply written. So you're able to, like, grasp what's going on really well. This is a book that I recommended. If you've read Haunting Adeline a couple weeks ago, I recommended that. I still would recommend it. If you liked Haunting Adeline, it's definitely not as detailed and definitely not as dark. It is dark, but not as dark as Haunting and Haunting Adeline. The third book, The Mattis Obsession. I want to say I just found out a lot of information about this author and how she is racist, and I need to look more into that, but I went through an entire Reddit thread about how this author is in fact racist. And if that is the case, I do not support this author. I did read this book, however, before I found out that knowledge, so I'm going to say a few words about it, but I do want to say that. I do not support this author. I do not support a racist. I liked this book better than the first in the series, but I still didn't love it at all. Um, Christian was obsessed with Gianna in this book and that was fun, but I think this author's writing style just is not for me because I just don't love the way it's written, which is honestly perfect because I won't be reading her books again because she's racist. It was all right. Again, it was better than the first one, The Sweetest Oblivion. But the the writing just like isn't for me. Now jumping into classic slash fiction books that I read. I read The Picture of Dorian Gray this month. I mentioned that I was trying to read two classic books a month. That did not work out this month. I only got through this one. This was such an easy book to read and I actually really loved it. It was super easy to get pulled into the story in this book and super easy to understand the many points that were going on. I feel like sometimes when you read a classic book, it's really hard to actually grasp, if you're just an average person, the the concept of the book and the reasoning. And you're normally just reading and, st- or I know I am, I'm normally just reading and stuck there like, well, I'm not understanding this, but I'm going to continue anyways. But I genuinely, like, I don't understand what's actually going on. It's like 230 something pages. It's free on Kindle Unlimited. If you're thinking about getting into classics, I feel like this is a good one to start with. I rated the book four stars. It is about Dorian Gray gets his painting done by Basil or Basil or whatever. And it like focuses on beauty. I'm really bad at explaining like points that are going on in a book. But there's like this moral dilemma kind of in it of Dorian focusing so much on beauty and almost selling his soul to stay beautiful. Because he looks at the picture and he's like, I won't look like that forever. Like I am going to age. And he almost gets angry at the picture for how gorgeous he is in it. And then looking at his like reflection of himself and knowing that he is just kind of withering away as each second goes on. So it's kind of like, I would say the overall theme of it is him almost selling his soul to be gorgeous because it ends up, I'm not going to say the ending, but you get to see that kind of actually be the case once the end of the book comes through. Again, super easy read. I recommend it if you're thinking about getting into classics. It was a good start for me. That was really one of the first classics I genuinely got through and didn't contemplate my life or contemplate if I my brain actually worked because I understood what was like happening in it. The next book that I read under the classic fiction genre, this one I feel like will be a classic one day, was Bunny by Mona Awad. I don't have much to say about this one simply because I don't know if I understood it properly. Properly, This book made me feel gaslighted the entire time, or like I was in a fever dream the entire time. And I genuinely mean that. If you read this book, then you know. Samantha Heather Maccabee or whatever her last name is she is at a college for writing and there are these there's this like little cult there of women who call themselves the bunnies and they're like hi bunny how are you doing bunny I love you bunny and we get to see from Samantha's point of view at the beginning how she like hates these bunnies and she thinks they're so weird and they're so culty and It's weird that they call each other bunny and they do all this stuff. And then she almost gets like she gets roped into what they're doing. Samantha is such a unreliable character, though, throughout the entire book. I don't know if she was crazy or just had an incredibly vivid imagination because some of the things that happen, they are so absurd to where you're like, okay, is this is this in your head? Are you on drugs or Is there something else I'm missing while I'm reading this book? This book, again, it was a trip. I want to reread it again because I want to see, not even if I missed missed anything, I just want to like, I don't even want to understand this book. I just want to kind of reread it and see if I missed any key points because it was just all over the place. And again, I don't know if Samantha was just super unreliable or she was crazy or if i was crazy but then again everyone i have spoken to about when it comes to this book and someone has read it they have said the exact same thing so i don't think it's me i think it is samantha or mona awad is just something i want to know what's going on in her head because what the actual hell i read this book four stars three and a half stars. I'm so bad. I'm normally, it's like a range for me when I'm reading books. I don't know. I really don't. And if you've read this book, then you know. I say add this to your TBR if you're wanting to get into like a weird fiction book. It was definitely an interesting read. Out of all of the books that I read this month, I would say that Powerless by Elsie Silver was absolutely my favorite. I... I love that book so much i mean i definitely talked about that book a lot more than others when i was doing this episode today so add that book to your tbr i freaking love that book that was definitely my number one if i had to pick a second hmm it would either be in a jam or when gracie met the grump after the first 200 pages i hate that i have to describe that book and be like if I ever recommend it to somebody, I have to be like, just get past the first 200 pages. Like that is not what you want to, if someone told me that I would be like, okay, so I'm never reading that book, but you should read it. Just DM me for a summary of the beginning. I swear it's good. That's all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to me ramble on about the books that I read this month. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at heads book club, heads club and TikTok at heads book club. I link everything in the description below. So don't worry. I will link my Goodreads and also all of my book recommendations below. Don't forget to give the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening and follow the podcast if you want to be updated for when new episodes are out. They come out every Wednesday, normally in the afternoon on Wednesday because I'm a procrastinator and I would love to say that I have them done by Wednesday morning, but I'm normally editing all day Wednesday. So new podcast every Wednesday afternoon and I hope to see you guys next week. Bye.